On today's show, what is the most you would be willing to give up if you were the Houston Rockets to trade up to pick number two or pick number three in this year's NBA draft to acquire Scoot Henderson? We're going to go over some different trade hypotheticals with the Charlotte Hornets as well as the Portland Trailblazers and ways that the Rockets could possibly move up in this year's NBA draft. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. For today's show, tell me, what is the most you would be willing to trade if you were the Houston Rockets to move up to the second or the third overall pick in this year's NBA draft. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. And joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than Rockets Chop Shop, Frank. You can track down on Twitter at FTank58 and be sure to follow the Rockets Chop Shop for all of your Houston Rockets coverage, all the unique coverage that they got going on over there. Frank, we have an interesting debate on our hands with the number four overall pick what the Rockets ultimately do with it, whether they trade down, whether they trade out of the draft. But today, you and I are going to focus on the possibilities that they have to trade up with that pick. So where I want to start is, how much would you be willing to give to trade up to pick two or three in this year's draft and why? I mean, that's that's a great question. And at first, I'm not going to lie, I haven't said it's on locked on when... We got the fourth pick. I literally, because we were doing a live stream on a chop shop, I went through like real time depression in front of everybody. Like, did you go through like the five stages of 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 grief? In two hours, (laughs) yeah, in two hours. I was doing a hope video at the end of the uh, the segment, but um, you know, at first it was bad. Like, we got the, you know, I was really really disappointed because all this tanking we've done. Obviously, you know, we at least top three because you kind of, you know, get to a possible team doesn't pick the guy that you think they're going to pick. But the more I think about it now, actually, the more I'm okay with the fourth pick because the teams in front of us really kind of set the context for that Uh, with Portland and Charlotte being teams that have very unique situations in their team, where they are right now, where they're trying to go. So as far as like being able to move up. I think there are, it's, it's not like easy, but I think the path is there for both, uh, both teams to be able to move up on what I'm willing to give up. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm really, really high on Scoot Henderson. I'm really, really high on Scoot Henderson. You and and me both. He is the guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I know people are going to quote the G league stats and blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. I'm not, you're not going to, you know, I see this all the time with, with college players that come out, 
they're they're not good at a certain thing, but you have to look really beyond and try to anticipate scaling up to the NBA level. And to me, all the stuff Scoot does, intangibles and the tangible, it's going to scale up and he's going to be an impact player like from day one, game one. This guy that's going to transform your team. So what does that mean giving up? I mean, I think that the Rockets are going to have two shots um, to unload the clip on some of uh, the assets because, guys, we don't have a lot of assets, right? Um, even though it seems like it, there are a lot of teams that are asset rich throughout the NBA. So the Rockets are, I would say we're not like the the poor family that we got to carry our groceries from the store on the side of the road. We're uh, the middle class family where the dad lives check, check, check. And he has enough. We can go to Disney World in the summer, but you know, anything outside of that, we can't do it. So we're, we're not. We're, we're no, no, okay, no. I so. want. I want to segue the whole show. I just want. I just want analogy hour with Frank now. I don't even want to talk number four pick. I just want to keep getting analogies from Frank over and, and over. I got them all, bro. I got it. But but so you know, a lot of people think that the Rockets are just like, oh yeah, we got this and this, bro. Y'all go check out the NBA landscape of assets. I mean, teams like Utah, and there's a lot of teams out there that have. So for us, Oklahoma City, I think it. Okay, see, they've been, you know, collecting for a couple of decades now. For us, it's it's going to be, I think, depending, and we're going to talk about this in detail, if you want to just move up to three or two and what the other team wants to do, because range from future picks, current pick, all the way to future picks and players. And I think depending on the price, I'm willing, I'm game for all of that. So uh, we can get into the details of that. Yeah, I, I would... <laughs> I would definitely be willing to pay a very steep price to be able to trade up to, to two or three to pick up Scoot Henderson. And and when you, we get into some of the details, we're going to start breaking down some possible trades, both for the number two overall pick with the Charlotte Hornets, as well as the number three overall pick with the Portland Trailblazers and what some of those trades could possibly look like and why some of those deals might make sense on both sides. We're going to try our best to take off our red tinted shades and be at least semi-objective in the trades that we suggest here. But for me, right, for all the reasons you laid out, Scoot Henderson to me screams like he just has that like it factor, however cliche it might be to say that. Like, I think he's a guy who is going to, I, I, I'm mocking him out to be, I think he's going to be like a 10 plus year NBA all-star, a franchise altering kind of talent. And it's very clear to me that there's Wimby in his own tier, Scoot in his own tier. And then you can have, if you want to have Miller and Thompson, Amon Thompson in, in one tier by themselves, and then everybody else in the next tier after that, I think Scoot is very clearly in his own tier. And when you have a guy like that, if there is even a remote chance at being able to get him, then I think you got to go, I think you got to go all in, push, you know, put all your chips to the middle of the table, if you will, using that, uh, using that analogy. Uh, in your eyes though, Frank, is there anybody on this Rockets roster that, you know, I, I've said this before. I don't think anybody is untouchable on this Rockets roster. Anybody could be traded for the right piece. But if you were looking at trading up to two or three, are there any names that you wouldn't consider trading on the roster? Like, would you say Jalen is off limits, Jabari is off limits, Shingun off limits? Like, where is your cutoff point as far as the players on this roster? It's probably Jalen Green uh, for me. Uh, I think anybody else outside the roster, you can probably trade them. Um one, Jalen, obviously the highest prospect that we've drafted uh, in this rebuild. I think that does bring some value to it just from an asset standpoint. Um, also, his skill set is something that you're going to want to pair with a Scoot Henderson. Um, you know, uh, a guy that could score uh, next to a prolific point guard is, you know, that's a pairing as old as basketball. Um, so I think Jalen, but like you said, any there, every player has a price. There's no player in the NBA that... It, depending on the context and circumstances, they can't be traded. I will start with Jalen, but preferably, I think there's worlds where we could do this without trading any of our core four players. 
it'll probably cost us on the uh, picks and uh, future assets. And, but, um, you know, I, I would say Jalen, you know, I'm open to trading Tari Jabari Shangun, uh, a combination of, of any of those players, because like you were talking about the, um, the Wemby tier, I think what, where I see it is that Wemby's in the tier of potential, right. But for, you know, I mean, when it comes to just NBA actualization of actually playing the game and impacting the game, I think it gets a little blurry when guys actually hit the court because all we've been talking about these past few months is the potential of these players that we're going to assume like, oh, he's going to be a Hall of Fame. We don't know that for real. Wemby could be a three-year project. He could get hurt. Um, he could just not translate well to the NBA. Um, and his he is such a mystery um, with that size and the skill set. You know, we've had glimpses with guys like Chris Tapps, Porzingis. Um, that have come into the NBA, Yao Ming to a lesser extent because he's more of a big than a, a perimeter player like Wemby kind of is. Um, but we see that that does come with some some you know some negatives with the injury and uh, durability on the court. I've seen uh, Scoot Henderson archetypes impact the NBA from day one. Then the thing about him, he has a rare combination of cerebral basketball play plus the athleticism of a lot of these like you know the Derrick Rose, uh, Russell Westbrook, John Morant type of athletes. It's a rare combination. And people ask, why is this short six, two point guard like that high up in his own tier? It's because of that. Usually you get guys that are super cerebral because they have to lean on that because they're not great athletes. So they have to think the game to be good. And then you get the great athletes like a Jalen Green that rely on raw athleticism and don't really focus on their the cerebral part of the game because they can they're just better than everybody younger. Scoot is, is like a random like the LeBron combination of. God-given athletic ability with the ability to see the court, see basketball from from a, a mental side of it that a lot of these young guys don't have. So, yeah, I, I just think that um, I think he his value is going to be seen uh, from day one in the NBA. So, you know that 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 just opens up like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know I, I like the guy, I like Look, the kid. Well, I think he's going to be a player. When when trying to evaluate these prospects, right, I try to boil it down to three categories, right, and you kind of hit the nail on the head on kind of like two of them there. Although I'll, I'll split one of them into a into two separate categories. Is you've got the the skills category, right? The the innate ability, the cerebral play, all of that. That's one category, just your skills. And some players make up, you know, the the lack of athleticism with the skills, or vice versa. Maybe you're a crazy athlete, but I bring I break the athleticism part into like there's you're an athlete, and then you've also got the physicals side. And Scoot has all three, right? He's got the physicals at six two. Yeah, he's six two. That's the only downside on his physicals, right? He's six foot two, but he's built like a linebacker. He's got good wingspan, six foot nine wingspan. He's got good size at his position. He is not going to get bullied for being six two, right? So he's got the physicals, he's got the insane athleticism, and he's got the skills all rolled together in one package. And I love the comp there, the the LeBron James esque, right? Rare combination of all those factors in one player it's rare when you find that and you've got to capitalize on it when it's there so coming up we're going to talk about some of the different pathways for a trade to pick number two with the charlotte hornets why the hornets might entertain a trade why it might make sense for both sides we're going to get there in just one moment but first today's episode is brought to you by prize picks Next game, how about Tom Ball's own Jimmy Butler to score more than 26.5 points? What about LeBron James to have more than 7.5 rebounds? Or how about Jason Tatum to have less than 6.5 assists? Or what about Jamal Murray to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made? So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports. But how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. 
and PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer incredibly fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And right now, Every day during the NBA playoffs and the finals, one prize picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. But you have to download the app to find out how. So download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That means if you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's get into some trade hypotheticals. It's everybody's favorite time of year when you get to fire up the trade machine and come up with all these crazy ideas and basically treat it like you're playing, you know, 2K and trading this, that, and the other to all these different teams. We've got the Rockets and Hornets, Frank, and we're focusing on what it would take to potentially trade up to that number two overall pick. But I think it, it's, it, you know, it's worth noting here, at least one of the reasons, you know, why would the Hornets entertain trading that number two overall pick? I think the easiest one is just like, I mean, do, do Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball work together? I think they could, maybe. The fit is a little questionable. And, you know, draft philosophy dictates usually just take the best player available, call it a day. But I think that, there's a lot of signs that point to the Hornets as an organization, maybe not being the best of decision makers. And they might be able to just talk themselves into, Hey, we we really like Brandon Miller. And if we think we can get Brandon Miller at pick number four and trade down with the Rockets, then that might be something that works in their favor. If the Rockets are willing to give up some assets to move up to pick number two. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be the calculus. I've been trying to read uh, articles about, what any buzz coming out of the Hornets and, um, you know, the only Seriously? that I've seen any buzz know, coming like out of the that. Hornets. Like that, that was, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that was, yeah. that was purpose. <laughs> that was purpose. I didn't even, I didn't even say, didn't have to point it out. Yeah. I'm like that, but, uh, I'm him guys. On a, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, you know, from Mitch Kupchak, their, their GM, um, basically the only quote I've seen is that he was saying that they had one, well, I think they have like five picks in this draft and, uh, most of them are later on like second round and some late first, uh, but, you know, he was saying that they don't intend on bringing in a bunch of young guys. Um, so but that doesn't exclude, uh, you know, the higher tier when you're in the top five range. All of that kind of goes out the window. But in the world where we do see the scenario you just painted um, happening, you know, I wanted to see like what was historically then, you know, near near recent history. What what is the price of moving up the two uh, trades uh, that I've seen from teams um the first one is going to be the Markel Fultz trade with between Boston and Philly. Now that, that cost, um, that cost Philly a, their spot, which was the number three pick and a future first, right. And that future first was uh, protected. Um, I think it was heavily protected actually. So, but we've known there's been some inflation since then. Another trade is the Luca and Trey young, uh, basically where uh, the Hawks drafted Luca and traded him uh, to Dallas. And that cost, the fifth pick and a future first round pick, which became Cam Reddish. So it's not that crazy to move up in the draft, but I think uh, draft picks have been crazily inflated over the past few years. So I'm going to assume that whatever we move up for with the Hornets, um, it's going to cost us at least baseline our spot and a future first. So we're going to start there. And to me, the way I look at it is there's two options for trades for them. 
because there's the option where this is a three-team trade where you get a third team involved where the Hornets can address the issue of bringing in an actual like ready-to-play player. Um, and the other route would be just a straight up between Houston and um and Houston and Charlotte. So which one do you want to do first? Let's let's try the straight up trade first. I've got our I've got our fancy trade machine pulled up. Look at these elite graphics for all of our YouTube audience. Sorry, you know, if you're watching along, we've got the trade machine pulled up here. We got Rockets on one side, Hornets on the other side. All right, let's navigate through this, Frank. What is your suggested one for one trade right out of the gate here? Okay, so this one is going to be a so we're going to do a for us to get up to second, we're going to obviously give them the fourth pick. So they get the fourth pick. And this one's going to cost us uh, Jabari Smith Jr. Oh, okay, okay. So we're going to go with fourth and Jabari. So that that takes care of you not having to spend any more um, future assets. The Rockets get the second pick and we'll take back uh, uh, Mr. Kai Jones and uh, Mark Williams. So you get uh, two players that are bigs. Um, so you get to address that in the trade. They get a top three pick and a number four pick in this draft. I think Jabari and LaMelo pair up fairly well. Um, that kind of gives him an outlet. Obviously, he's a versatile defender that could play, you know, three through five for them. Um, and for the Rockets, like I said, Kai Jones, uh, Mark Williams, those are, you know, Kai Jones, like he's not a, you know, a great like lottery type of player. But if you watch the Hornets, you know, Kai Jones is the goods. And Mark Williams addresses that backup uh, big position where you get some length on the team as well. So that that's my straight up trade uh, for Charlotte. It gives you a nice influx of bigs. I I, I like this. It hurts. It really hurts to move it on from hurt. Jabari. Like this, but th that's th these trades. They have to be a little bit painful, right, for both sides to be even right. remotely interested in this. And I think I could I could very easily see this being a trade that that Charlotte is interested in, especially if they're still able to get their hands on their guy at pick number four. Which again. You know, if if their guy is Brandon Miller or maybe they're just content with bringing in and Amon Thompson and figuring it out from there, or maybe they reach a little bit further down and go for like a Cam Whitmore type or a Jairus Walker, possibly, you know, maybe reaching a little bit with pick number four at that spot. But if you're the Hornets and you're looking at this, if you can still get a guy that you view on close enough to the same tier as Scoot Henderson and you also get Jabari Smith Jr., who was a top three pick in the previous draft, then that seems like a pretty strong trade for the Hornets. And, oh man. And, and think of, think about it for them. They get, I mean, obviously we saw how Jabari closed out the year. They're going to get shooting and defense from him length on the perimeter. Yep. And you're adding another shooter. So you're getting two, six, nine, a six, nine and a six, 11 wing um, out of this, this trade. I think honestly it's a strong package. Uh, and, you know, you get to pair them up with LaMelo without taking them off the ball because I don't think, you know, Portland, we'll talk about them there's a strong chance that they don't make a pick in this in this uh, in this draft. But yeah, I think honestly, it's, it's a great trade, in my opinion, I think for the Hornets, I think the Rockets, you get your guy, um, you get some some size to come back. And then with the 20th pick, you know, maybe you can do some things there, try to get a wing um, in this or you go after your Cam Johnson and Tari Eason is the goods. He's still there. So, hey. All right, all right. I, I like it. it. It it hurts a little bit moving on from Jabari, it but I do, hurt. but I do like the trade, especially if it, you know if it nabs him, Scoot Henderson. I'm here for it. All right, uh, my permutation of this, and I can't take original credit for this. I'm I'm altering it just a little bit, but it was suggested uh, on Twitter by a Twitter user, uh, Rob. I can't remember Rob's handle, but it was suggested by Rob. Rob Kimball. Rob Kimball. There we go. It was Rob. It was Rob on Twitter, and he suggested the idea of absorbing Gordon Hayward 
into the Rockets okay. cap space. So basically, you know, opening up the all, all the cap space for the Charlotte Hornets by just absorbing Gordon Hayward. And then I would be I would go so far as being willing to float them the 20th pick as well as next year's Brooklyn pick completely unprotected. So the out so the out output for that one is you basically just absorb Gordon Hayward and then you're sending out the number four pick and the 20th pick and then you're getting back the second overall pick to me I feel like that is a really solid oh and I already I had I had our first mistake on the trade machine Frank I was talking while I was clicking buttons I forgot to include the (laughs) I forgot to include the Brooklyn pick in the trade let me go back and fix this just so it looks right when I'm like when I'm shopping all this stuff out while you're doing that, so that that trade actually, so you would basically be replacing the player um, in 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 that with a the twentieth pick and uh, taking on Gordon Hayward's salary. So that would kind of take the place of that player that we'd have to give up. Is mm-hmm. that basically correct? Yeah, pretty much. And I think this this one only works if. I think from the Hornets perspective, right? Not only so they they walk away, they get the extra draft capital in this draft at pick 20. So you grab a guy, whatever, it's a really deep draft. So there's going to be a lot of talent there for sure. It allows them the opportunity to open up more cap space than they already have. They project to be one of the teams with the most cap space this summer, a little bit, you know, not quite as much as the Rockets, but they're going to have some cap space to throw around. But offloading the 31 and a half million from Gordon Hayward would free up so much room for them to really make some significant plays. Even if they have to overpay a little bit to certain free agents, I feel like it gives them a lot more leeway, a lot more flexibility this off season to maybe grab some immediate impact guys and go from where they were this season to kind of threading the needle between development with some of the young guys, but also being able to go back to some semblance of competitiveness right away. Yeah. I would say the um, with the Gordon Hayward thing, I mean, it does free up free up some um, space for them. And um, for them, not this coming year, the year after this uh, season, 24-25, they're going to have a, a lot of cap space because a lot of their, their the contracts, I don't know if they're going to re-sign P.J. Washington. Who knows what's going to happen with, um, uh, what's his name, with the... The oh, my, my, uh, Miles, Miles Bridges. My, Miles Bridges. I've heard they're probably going to try to re-sign him, um, and you know, for a low, low ball deal. So I think that that trade does allow them to be able to be competitive in that 2024, 25 free agency class. Um, that you know is going to have a lot of players that they can add to, uh, you know, what they already have uh, with with uh, Lamelo there. So now nah, that's a that's a you know for the Charlotte fans, this is. Not a bad position to be in because they really could do a lot without having to give up really anything. Yeah. And then we've got the other side here, though. Not just the opportunity to trade up to number two. If there's an opportunity for the Rockets to trade up to number three, should Scoot Henderson still be on the board? What would some of those trades look like with the Portland Trailblazers? I think that one has a lot more interesting permutations and scenarios, seeing as how the Portland Trailblazers might be trying to trade out of that pick completely to a team not named the Houston Rockets. What would that look like? We're going to get to that in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. All right. We are still firing up the trade machine here, and now we are switching gears to the number three overall pick currently residing with the Portland Trailblazers. And unfortunately for the Rockets, 
it really doesn't feel like there's a trade one for one that makes sense between the Rockets and the Blazers because all signs are pointing towards the idea that the Blazers are going to trade that number three pick for an impact player who can help Damian Lillard win right now, which to me, Frank, is basketball malpractice that they're willing yeah, to. It's crazy. Wow. <laughs> that they're willing to trade this pick and not just. You were given like a gift from the basketball gods. Like, here is an olive branch. Please trade Dame and just hit the reset button. And they're like, right. nah, we're we're good. We're gonna run it back with Dame again. <laughs> Which yeah, it's crazy. It's all it's it's almost as crazy as using uh your cap space for a thirty three year old aging point guard but that's, Ooh. that's a different story Ooh. that's a different story maybe maybe a different pod we'll talk oh about my that deserves an, uh, <laughs> that deserves an ego my for that one um all right let's get into what this would look like so a one-for-one one deal doesn't make sense between the rockets and blazers for the reasons we just pointed out uh right. frank you tee us off what what is your go-to three-team deal for these to get this trade done for the number three pick Okay, so this one is going to be a little different because I'm going to try to keep both picks. Oh, okay. Okay, so I'm going Texans on this one. Um, this this team, the third team, we're going to do a three-team deal. It's going to involve uh, the Rockets, Toronto, and Portland. Ooh. So for Toronto, um, obviously, I think what the uh, Blazers need is more perimeter defense and shooting in combination. They have – it's either they have one or the other. They have guys that can shoot, but they suck on on playing defense, and then you have guys that can play defense, but they can't shoot. So I would say OG Ananobi is a, is a player that um, I could see going over. And, you know, they've been some comments about Dame and how he respects his game and things like that. I think OG is a great fit there. Um, and the trade would involve uh, OG obviously going to Portland, um, the Rockets are going to have to give up Tari Eason off the off the bat. So the uh, Blazers get two wings once again, addressing uh, you know when you have those point guards. That so so, tar- so Tari Toronto. to the Blazers, right? Tari to the Blazers. Okay. Then Toronto is going to get uh, the, a twenty four first uh, Brooklyn, uh, twenty five swap via Brooklyn, the twentieth pick in this uh, current draft that um, we also have, and then we'd have to give them uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, as well. So, um, so KPJ and Tari out, then we get the third and the fourth pick. Now the weakness on this, I don't know what. Hang on. Let me, let me make sure I get the compensation right here. So so Tari and OG are going to the Blazers and then the, 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 Draft compensation going out from Houston is the 2024 Toronto. Brooklyn first. So you know, going to Toronto and then what else? The 2025 swap. 25, sw- the 20th pick on tw- this draft, the 24 first, the 25 swap. And um, they also get KPJ um, to Toronto. Okay. And then we all we we get the third and the fourth pick in the draft. Uh, then OG and Tari Eason are going to uh, Portland. Um, so that that I, the only the to me, obviously, the Rockets, I think they'll do that 100 times. Um, Toronto, the, the price for that they've said is four first round picks for OG. So that kind of addresses that because you get. Um, you know, a 24 first, the swap and eh, the 20th pick is a first round. Then Tari Eason is a lottery pick in himself. So um, even though he's going to uh, Portland, uh, that still allows them to get those three picks. Um, the Kevin Porter Jr., you know, I'm not sure what they will feel about him. I think yeah, he, he'd actually do good on that team. They need a point guard. He's a player that's kind of dynamic, maybe under a, a different coach over there. He gets to, you know, show out his game. And then it'll, Portland, it, like it'll be said, his it'll be his turn to cook over there. 
Oh yeah, he can cook the whole uh, country. Like I'm, he's I'm the I'm the point guard of the whole uh, country of Canada, <laughs> the, the so. head honcho of Canada, if you will. Well, so Frank, I, I I have one thing though. So financially, I don't know if this trade actually works because the Blazers what are sending money. Blazers need to send money out for to make this trade work. Okay, okay. Uh, I think one thing I read about the Blazers is for to get they. Ha- I think one of the players that they do have to send out is um, Anthony Simons, and. Um, because his name is always like a test. Maybe Toronto gets Anthony Simons. I don't know if that would make it work. You want to uh, throw him in there and see. I know he makes like twenty five million. Um, if if he if that does work, then we may be able to keep KPJ. I think it does work. I've got to hang on. I just tried it. It doesn't work financially for the Raptors with KPJ still in it. So let me try it one more time. Let me take KPJ so out. Take KPJ the- back. Give them Simons. I think that makes us have to give up something else. Yeah, I think I think the way this trade is weighted now is it's too he- like the Blazers aren't getting enough to give up three right. and Simons, so th- this this is we getting harder. Yeah. Oh boy, here we go. Um, what am I willing to give up for that? I don't know, man. See, I didn't want to throw in a good player or or twenty six or something like that in a pick, but you're keeping. Remember, the Texans did something like this. Everybody said they overpay, so you probably do have to overpay. All right, Jackson, you're gonna have to help me out. Pick or player? What are we doing? Oh, I think I'm saying I think I'm saying throw another pick in there if you can, but I feel like you almost have to throw in a player. If they're losing Simons, who is a a proven like commodity, a player, I feel like you almost have to throw in another player to make up for it. I damn it, give him give him Dacia Nix. There we go. You know what? I don't want to talk about Dacia Nix. I just don't understand it. I don't oh, know what's boy. going on, and it's just. It's a lot of Dacian Knicks. You know, I, I will I will say there is maybe a version of this trade, and, and I don't know if we have enough time to like completely unpack it here, right. but you could maybe orchestrate something if you're the Blazers, a sign and trade in some capacity using uh Cam Reddish or using one of their other uh free agents and get them committed to, hey, we want to sign and trade you to the Raptors to make the money work for this deal that we're trying to f- figure out. And then maybe you don't have to give up Simons and you can just agree to sign and trade Cam Reddish and then Reddish gets paid, right? Who's Reddish isn't going to be mad about getting 20 million to just be part of a trade. So Reddish gets paid. The Blazers don't have to give up any assets. The only thing that becomes tricky then is does it, does the sign and trade and then the hard cap that's instituted on the receiving team. I I don't think they would do it. it. It would have to be either future picks or one of our other young players. If it gets to the point where we have to do Tari and like Shangoon or Tari and like Jabari, I probably would step away at that point. Um, because I'm really high on Tari Eason. I thought he'd be enough um, because I don't think outside of the core four, I don't see them really moving on it. I mean, I really don't care about the 26. I'm thinking that's when we're going to be contending. So if they would do it, I would give them the 26 Brooklyn, um, 26 Brooklyn pick. I would give them straight up unprotected. They could have that because I think by then we'll be, you know, but you know that I don't know if Blazers go for that, but I would give them the 26 pick, but if there's a way the Texans, I mean the Texans, the Rockets can get uh, both picks, I think that they should try to do it because um, if you can get maybe Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson in this draft, then you can just shut down the drafting for the next few years and just try to, uh, because you have enough uh, young guys on your on your roster, just add veteran players from there. Um, but that that's going to be my high swing, like pie in the sky uh, trade. I'm sure there's a way to do it, uh, with the, with a real GM, not, not me, uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not armchair yeah. GMing from the, yeah, yeah there you chair. go. <laughs> so 
my my version of the three teamer here involves. I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets, and I, I've mentioned this one before, right. but we didn't. You know, I didn't get a chance to really go. You know, and, and truly unpack it. And the baseline level of this trade, and there, you know, we're going to run into the same issue here that we ran into with your version of the trade is the incoming salary component. But essentially, what it would be is the Rockets give up the their their number four pick, and they send it to uh they send it to Brooklyn. Now Brooklyn sends Mikhail Bridges to the Blazers, and then the Blazers yep. send the number three pick back to Houston. Uh, and then the other piece of the puzzle that the Rockets are also sending out would be the 2024 first-round pick that belongs to Brooklyn. They send it back to Brooklyn, essentially yep. allowing Brooklyn to then take control of their own destiny. They're able to bottom out. They're able to tank next season by trading their best player. They're going to be a worse off team anyways. Um, it's kind of this weird catch 22. Cause I can't envision them trading Mikhail bridges unless they're getting like a massive haul for him. Cause they're immediately going to become a worse off team. They're going to be, their pick is probably going to be top 10 if they don't have Mikhail bridges on that team next season, yeah. almost a guarantee. So at that point, I can't see them willingly going into that like phase of, of a rebuild unless they own their own draft pick. There's it's not like they want to bottom out and give the Rockets a top 10 pick inadvertently. So I think there is a lot of leverage that the Rockets have by owning the Brooklyn Nets draft capital and maybe getting involved here by way of a three team deal to help facilitate McHale to Portland. The only issue that you come that you come across here is again, the money component from the Blazers. You have to somehow send out about 20 million worth of salary to be able to get McHale bridges into the door, unfortunately, because they are an over-the-cap team. Again, maybe you can institute something like a sign-and-trade component to just make the money work without them, without the Blazers having to give up an Anthony Simons or somebody that's floating around that twenty to twenty-five million dollar range. But man, when I tell you, Frank, I would be willing to go so overboard on the pick package here. I would, I would almost be willing to go all in on all the Brooklyn Nets assets and just say, you know what, take it all back, take it all back, here, here. and just give me Scoot Henderson. Here's a here's a um a trade. I, I'm probably gonna mess it up. This was one from a, a YouTube comment on one of my videos was um that same scenario, but the Rockets to instead of unloading like the full clip of, of all their picks, give them like their pick and a swap back so they get two years of, of autonomy with their uh, drafting and whatnot. Okay. They send out uh Mikel to Portland um to sweeten it so we don't have to unload the clip on the deals. We take on uh somehow, I don't you know, we have to match some money on Ben Simmons's salary. So they can have a free. Um, uh, oh well, we, we don't. Ben, we we don't have to match the money on Ben Simmons, right? We can just absorb him into the cap. Yeah, case. we can just absorb that, right? And as a almost, like it, a, it's like the Hayward like deal, sweetener. From, yeah, the Hayward thing will Ben Simmons, and that Ben Simmons is ugly on their roster because it's literally, even if they wanted to try to do anything, he is such a like a just a drain, a black hole. Uh, if he's not playing uh, on their roster that I think that is the equivalent of a, because they would have to give a pick to basically get off, get off of them. So use that, um, that ability to absorb that salary, take him off their hands. And I don't care what we do with him here. He could just be on the bench for all I care. Um, and just uh, use that to try to facilitate them uh, sending Mikel out, maybe just for like two uh, swap, maybe two picks and a swap, maybe the 20th, Next year's uh, 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 their first next year in a swap going into the future. So that's that's uh, I don't even remember the guy's name that proposed it, but I thought it was an interesting trade. I no, I really like that. And I'm, I'm working on the permutation of it right now. I want to get it like knock. I want to get it knocked out on the screen. I'm even I'm signing trading Cam Reddish to a new salary right now. Like it's going <laughs> to be Reddish getting, getting passed around like a, <laughs> he's like the, 
the new Trevor Ariza. Let's use uh, Cam Reddish to facilitate traits. I'm telling you, look, I'm I'm sending him to I'm sending him to to Brooklyn right now. We're doing this whole look. Hang on, I'm sending him. So we're trading him to the Nets. We're absorbing Ben Simmons. I think I got all the pieces in place. I'm gonna hit try this trade. And it works financially. It works. It went through well, the machine, and the there machine can never be proven wrong. I'm sure there's not any user error happening here. <laughs> I know, right? Just Some cap uh, sit, clause on there sit, that you don't, yeah. Send it into Adam Silver, man. This trade is beautiful. No, so Rockets get Ben Simmons uh, and the number three overall pick, assuming Scoot Henderson's still on the board. The Blazers walk away with Mikhail Bridges, and the Nets walk away with a sign-and-traded Cam Reddish, which is whatever. Um, but they get the number four overall pick. They get control of their 2025 pick or I apologize, they get control of their 2024 pick back and then they get the swap taken off of the 2025 pick. So they get 25. three years of tanking, essentially. They can they basically get the same yep. reset, the same springboard that the Rockets got, which if you're the Nets, I feel like that's a massive win. That's a massive win because they have, it gives them a, a short window to do a quick turnaround. And one of the most important things in that is that cap flexibility to actually get, get getting off of Ben Simmons because it allows them to be able to put together a competitive team while getting young assets for the future, which I think for them has been something they've been like missing. They've been trying to take these swings on these stars, um, you know, for their fan base, I'm sure they'd love to, you know, try to just tank and maybe get, I forgot what that seven foot point guard or whatever he is uh, coming up next year uh, that they can get. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a win for them. And for us, you know, like Ben Simmons is there, we have the cap space. Um, that, you know, that he just absorbs uh, into our into our cap space. We can still make some signs and make some deals. Um, and I will say the edges too. on the Ben Simmons front, too, even though it's ugly on the surface and it would be, you know, you, basically you just the Rockets would stick with that mold of just paying players to not not play for them at that point. Right. Just, hey, John, Wall, go hang out in Miami. We're going to pay you a max deal. Just go right. down there, hang out in South Beach. Ben Simmons, don't come near the team. You're good. Just go sit on your butt for a year. Um he goes from being an albatross contract, though, to yep. in that final year of his deal, he becomes Trade. an expiring yep. contract, right? That actually becomes, you know, a positive asset sooner rather than later. So it's actually not the end of the world to absorb him for one year. You kind of kick the can further down the road a little bit, and you could either just let him sit on the books for two years and let the salary fall off, or you trade him as an expiring deal, trade him for the next distressed asset that's out there. Maybe Luca gets upset in a couple seasons. And he's like, get me out of Dallas. You never know. There's always stars around the NBA landscape that want out of their situation and you need money to be able to package together to go get one of those guys. And if you've got a massive expiring, you know, roughly $40 million salary to go trade for one of those established star players, that's exactly the spot you kind of want to be in as Jalen, Jabari, Shingun, they're all kind of coming into their own as NBA players. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think the moral of the story of all this is that there's a million outcomes that could happen between now and the draft. And um, I honestly think we're in a good spot because both of the teams that are ahead of us are just unsure of what they they want to do i think there's even a world where they big brain things both teams and school could just fall to four but that's you know. that's the most that is the yeah. look the it, jabari the rockets kind of fell ass backwards into jabari last year and i'm not right. going to complain like if it happens again two years in a row where they fall ass backwards into scoot henderson i am all for it i'm here for it i would love to see that outcome that would be the best case outcome because you don't give up any assets and you still walk away with the guy who is at the top of my board your board and a lot of rockets fans boards at the end of the yeah. day um we're obviously going to cover you know in future episodes the different possibilities to trade out of the pick to trade down from pick number four there's so many different possibilities with this pick we wanted to cover the ones where you trade up on today's episode with that frank let everybody know where to track you down at yeah uh, you can hit me up on a chop shop that's a rockets chop shop on youtube or on twitter at ftank 58 
Y'all, you know, I know I'm getting flamed right now, Jackson. Uh, I predicted Lakers in six um, and uh, I had to eat my words. I think people are using Jokic as like Shangun's avatar. So I guess I didn't know people would take it that personally. There was a guy that told me he bookmarked my my tweet. Oh, man. I'm like, bro, y'all are just praying for my downfall at this point. But, uh, you know, I mean, follow me on Twitter. You know, I try to have good conversation with the fan base, but I appreciate you, man. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.